0: Good evening, everyone, and welcome to tonight's episode of Hey Sister. And it is not an illusion, because hey, sister. Hey. (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. My sister is in the place to be. How you doing? I'm doing good, you know. I'm back on these planes and stuff. I know, child. Listen, that vaccine life, you know, (laughs) starting to get them vaccines means a thing, Right? Right? We are so, so excited tonight to have our very special guest, the one, the only, Miss Leslie Honore. Yeah. And I love at the her end of her bio, it's like it's Leslie Honore. Yes. <laughs> Come on with the accent. Yes. And look, you already have a fan tuning in. Hey, Miss Donnie, how are you? Come on. It's like. <laughs> Yes, we have one of our friends here in Orlando, our vegan queen, Miss yes. Shereen, tuning in. She says, Hello, ladies. Hello. Hey, Shereen. So, hey, everybody, if you are tuning in right now, what we want you to do is like, follow, share this, subscribe to Hey Sister on all our social media platforms. Hey, follow and subscribe to Miss Leslie Honore on all the social media platforms you you see how her name is spelled you got it right there we want you to um also join the conversation tonight in the comments that's where the action happens um and we're just so very excited normally we'll get into your story a little bit later so you can tell the folks all about who you are but we have to start in our typical hey sister fashion and that's with some hot topics and Leslie is so looking forward to sharing her take on some of these hot topics <laughs> i am ready to go yes but wait first of all do y'all see these earrings she has on can, can you show yeah. them come on give it to us give it to us bam bam these are my oscars of new orleans So somebody will please tag him in the post i love oscar he works right out of the french market in new orleans he's also on facebook um, his website is oscarofneworleans.com, but he is a, a, just a delight and an artist. And please support living artists. It has been so hard for people who make their living through art um, because it, it's limits everything that we can do, places where we can go. Um, especially people who do art that's that's you know vendor based. So go buy something from Oscar. Super reasonably priced um, and just beautiful stuff. He's he just has just the best, and it just makes me miss home and feel closer to it at the same time. Oh, well, we are going to have to get some of those. Yes, they're very cute, very cute. Well, <clears throat> I don't even know which one of these hot topics we want to start off with tonight, but since we're having somewhat of a talk conversation, a talk show conversation, let's talk about this Sharon Osbourne and the talk. So we we, we saw the original situation go down um, where she felt that she had to defend Piers Morgan. We've already talked about how they have to defend these white men, but the white men don't ever want to defend them. Okay, we're not going to go there right now. But um, so we saw the situation go down between her and her co-host. They've been on hiatus. And so now we learned that one Miss Sharon Osborne is going to be leaving the the talk. So I'm going to toss it to you first, Miss Leslie, because I know that you have... Uh, very strong thoughts around this topic. Yes. Yeah. So I feel um, that, you know, as we, we you know, have access to, to social media and to our cameras and are able to upload all the Karens of the world, you know, the the Karens calling the police on people barbecuing and the Karens, you know, cussing people out in Starbucks and calling them the N-word because they got to wear a mask. I mean, I mean, the world is littered with Karens out in the public. But when we are at work, we have all dealt with Sharons over and over and over and over and over again. The the white women who think because they work with a, a woman of color that that makes them that woman of color's friend. Um, because they, they know you or have seen pictures of your kids that that, that means that they can make comments. Um, that are threatened when you challenge them, when you check them, when you ask questions that you don't immediately, you know, um, bow down to their their whiteness. Um, they they are uh, horrible to work with. Um, it everybody is not in a position where they can fight back. There you know, there are times that we are we have to bite our tongue, keep our head low. we are, are supporting ourselves and our family. so we don't always have the opportunity. To call things out when we see them. That's why it is so important when you can, when you have a platform, when you have protections, when you have position, that you do it bravely for those who cannot. Um, but we have all worked with Karen's. I mean, Sharon's. and I think the, the the when they were having the conversation, she and Cheryl Underwood, and Cheryl had to remain. She she calm. she did her take up and. Lean back a little bit because you had to take a deep breath and pull it all down. How many times have we done that in a board meeting, on a Zoom call as of late, where where we know it it we have to remain in control? We cannot show them the tiniest bit of emotion because then we are labeled as angry and disruptive and um argumentative and you know does not get along with others well. I mean it just I'm sure we can all talk about stuff that's been said about us, and and our one-on-ones with our supervisors, or our you know our our yearly reviews. Um, so to see her do that was really, um, it was hard. It was hard. And but then I'm a little petty. I remember all the Republican stuff that Cheryl in the past has has about it, and so I was kind of like this. <laughs> Jesus wept. Jesus wept. Um, So, uh, you know, I felt I felt bad because I saw reflections and then I just kind of, you know, was like, oh. You know, but some of this, you know, we can invite in um, when we sign ourselves up to um, be in proximity and allegiance to um, systems that don't mean good for all of us. Um, So, yeah, it it was it it was really interesting, but um, it's definitely inspired me talking about it again. It has inspired me. I mean. The first thing any racist says is, I'm not a racist. How can I be a racist? Um, and then the scream of educate me, teach me. Listen, I can't tell you how many poems I've written and I have somebody show me. Tell me. Google, baby. You don't even got a Dewey Decimal anymore. You ain't got the <laughs> encyclopedia Britannica. You don't, you don't, you're on your phone. Look it up yourself. Uh, we 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 do not have to be your education, mammy, when you don't understand something. Go mm-hmm. go go learn something. I'm tired of y'all. Tired, tired, tired. Um. So she was. I guess she was asked to leave. Uh, I mean, girl, I guess you just that- say the word. You, we don't we don't have to be your education, mammy. How about that, sister? What say you? Well, first and <laughs> foremost, I kind of think the talk is whack just to start, <laughs> okay? But so, I and, and they've had sort of um, a, a couple of different changes over the years in their, their co-hosts. And so, you know, they have purposely tried to stay away from certain topics. Mm-hmm. And maybe we understand why better now, because clearly they were not equipped to have any substantive conversations, perhaps they should just keep the talk at a very high level as they had been doing. So this was probably a mistake. Talk about makeup and pajamas because like exactly because I- exactly, that's their lane, and they probably needed to stick to that. Um, but you know, I I, would- I mean, the founder of the show had to leave because her husband. Let's not go there. The founder of the show had to leave because her husband was the CEO, chairman, by you know the head guy, and you know he had all the sex allegations, and we we ain't heard nothing else. But I'm sure he's still cashing in on CBS stocks. Anyway, Um, point is, (laughs) I listened to Amanda Seals the other day because she went off about it because Kevin Frazier. His brother's boy, Kevin Frazier decided to interview Sharon Osborne. and he then, you know, was you know, we need to foster these conversations, blah blah blah. And he went on why I don't know to tag Amanda Seals. He clearly don't know who Amanda Seals is. Why did you invite her. Why did you invite her to, to? If you were gonna sit down and have that conversation, don't tag somebody who is going to give you all of your life and then your afterlife too. Yeah. So, you know, um, but Amanda just made some very mm-hmm. good points. To your point, again, it is not for me to educate you. It is not. you <laughs> a 60, 70-some-year-old woman. And because this is not the first time. time. You have a history of this. That's their expectation. Let's be clear. That that her age, Um, mm-hmm. she's British. I mean, they, they gave us everything. thank you. <clears throat> You know, Great Britain for um, colonialism, imperialism. Um, you know, the slave trade, uh, colorism, black hate. Uh, thanks. Um, her expectation is that 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 uh, you know, black and brown people are in a position of service to her, and if you're not, you're lucky to be thinking that you are on the same level. But let's—that's that, how she sees it. How she talked to Cheryl is is. Mm-hmm. Who who she claimed was her friend? Uh, let me I, I have never spoken to somebody who I, I consider my friend like that. Um well I'm certainly I, not gonna tell them you don't cry because basically your feelings I are not valid here, it's only my feelings. Cry. I should be crying, I should be crying. Oh just um. But the, the last thing I wanted to say was that, you know, Amanda made the point that they had to go, they went on hiatus. And so even that is the epitome of white privilege. Right. Hey, that all of us gotta suffer because you clown. No. If I act a fool at my job, guess what? They're going to get rid of me. They're not going to say, let's shut down all the production and let's go on hiatus until Christina, we figure out what we're going to do with Christina. No, they're going to be like, Christina Deuces, and let's keep this operation going. So that in and of itself is the height of white privilege. Well look ladies, okay, Mm y'all. We just got into this one hot topic and we have a few more to go. So (laughs) y'all stick with us, okay? And like we have a few comments here. Um uh Rosalind was like the way she hollered at the Dewey Decimal. Girl, we know we don't even do that no more. She was going through the cards, going through the cards. And then you get there, you didn't found your book and somebody had it. You was it was the this me out of the order. Mm-hmm. Child, listen, <laughs> I have a few myself. I think they have a few Sharons that they work with. And Sharon's real self was displayed. It's about time. Child, time's up for a whole bunch of folks. So then let's talk about time being up for another. We talked about the brothers. Derek Jackson. Oh, you know what? I did. I, <laughs> No, before you know, a couple minutes before we went live, that we were going to talk about him because I should have got some some brown liquor to have <laughs> this conversation about this hot mess. This he, <laughs> which part of the hot mess that you want with the I mean, well, when he did his own video and referred to himself in the third person, that that was flaming hot. That was that was eight. That's eight. That that's hey, that was just the poo-poo. That was the poo-poo. <laughs> and then um the the flame, uh, I don't know, the, the 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 gasoline on it was him and his wife um together. Um the lit the fire <laughs> though, was when she came back, when she came back and she was like, this is <laughs> 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 when, when she was quoting Bible bird verses and still, I'm like, you still look. You, yeah. baby, it's even worse that we know you're doing it of your own accord. Oh, and this one right here. Well, <laughs> no, when you got to hold on like this, we know something's wrong. So, so gonna- this is a this is a good you know transition. I think we'll talk about it a little later. I'm in mean, no way projecting. I don't I don't know their situation. I don't know them. Um, but as a survivor of domestic violence. I, I do know what control looks like. I do know that it comes in many forms. I do know we have assumptions about who could be, you know, um, somebody who, who is in a marriage that has domestic violence in it. I know when I tell my story, people are often surprised because I'm educated. I look like my, my stuff's together. Um, but, you know, it is, it is something that's perpetuated again through white supremacy. Um, and uh, a, a, a patriarchal rule, and a lot of our men wanting proximity to power, and so what mm-hmm. they emulate is what they see. Um, that's how white men treat their women. Um, that's mm-hmm. not that's not from us. Um, so I, I I have sympathy for her, um, but I just wanted her to shut up with the videos afterwards. All of you know, just all of just shut just. Just, go sat down. Go. As a matter of fact, Derek, go sat down. The well, he did he sat down in his car and did another video. And somebody <laughs> bought that raggly, raggedy, raggedy yeah. pamphlet. He's calling the book and listening to him and and, and you know, three time adulterer Steve Harvey tell you how to have relationships. I I just okay. I let know, me know. It wasn't a bonnet, it was the beret, it was the helmet. I mean, what, it was more helmet. what what breastplate? What war are because let me and this is some this is really, you know, I don't come for me, nobody. Sometimes this is how the black church fails us. Um, the God I serve would mm. not want me humiliated by the man who's supposed to be my covering. Mm-hmm. The God I serve would be a righteous man with his integrity and, and would not want me to be publicly embarrassed by his actions. The God I serve would not want me to support, justify or or stand beside an individual who, who was um, dehumanizing me. So mm-hmm. I, sometimes I just get confused about the gods that we are. Are we all serving the same God sometimes? Yes. I have questions. I am clear we are not. I'm clear we are not. Uh, we we've talked about that before, and as we, we you know get into some of these hot topics as it relates to the 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 um, white supremacy, like what God are you serving? Because that because you know we do Sunday. I look, I, I even got my little books right here. I got my little Bible right here. I got my little Sunday school book right here. We've been doing Sunday school uh, via Zoom, and guess what? I don't know what God y'all talking about. No, I don't know. I don't know because. Because um, the God I serve said, "When when I was thirsty, you gave me water." But now you didn't make it illegal to give people some water while they wait in line to vote. <laughs> um, I I you know, but you know, but it's it's also the same God that they used to enslave us. So they yeah. are you know on brand. They're on white people brand. They're consistent. So you mm. know they they <laughs> work out. That's. I think, I think, with in the case of Derek Jackson, I am more um, frustrated with his wife than I am with him. I mean, he, he did what so many do, right? Like you said, you already referenced Steve Harvey. We can reference John Gray. We can reference, I mean, just so many who have you know, it, it's that do as I say, don't do as I do sort of mentality about approach to relationships, if you will. I struggle, though, with her because after, like, there are people who listen to it. Like, I think I've listened to him like one time, and that one time I was like, mm, I don't know. Bro. I he read his, a video back in the day. I'm not going to even lie. Like, some of the stuff he said, I was like, oh, that's good, but you know what? I mean, a broken clock is right. Twice a day. Right. I mean, that, you know, right. it it happens. I, I go back and forth between being angry and her wanting better for her. Um, to then checking myself and go, well, I don't know her story. I don't know her place. I don't know what's going on. And then I'm angry again. I'm like, if the tables were turned, he would not be sitting there holding her hand while she, she talked about the multiple relationships right. she and she's had, so I- and becoming pregnant by another man, or or all of that because you know he's the one of the... Side mistress. I know I didn't know. Listen, all I'm gonna say is I, I, I don't feel sorry for her. I am concerned yeah. for her. Concerned in the fact that mm-hmm. after like there are people who follow him and did not know he had a wife for years. Then you get on the on the the, the interwebs on Al Gore's internet. Looking like Al Gore's internet, he didn't give all his life for this internet, and you come yeah. on this internet with this with this against <laughs> malarkey. This is what you come right. on here right. with. Malarkey. And then but it but then it's like, sis, did you just discover the internet? So now you just keep doing stuff, you keep putting out new 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 videos. So I'm like, you searching for something, something <laughs> is not. I I'm all, I'm just, I'm one of my gifts um, other than writing is I've got real, a really good gut check on stuff sometimes. And people are like, how'd you figure that out? i am like, I just be listening. I don't think she has any friends. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think she has any friends because I believe he, he is emotionally um, abusive. And that's one of the first things abusers do is they limit your connections from anybody who can say, Hey, this isn't you. Or hey, did you see this? Or hey, do you know how this is coming across? Or hey, I'm gonna come get you. Or okay, sit with him in the video, but you ain't gonna wear the beret. We are not married, Tyler Moore. So <laughs> I know, I, I I know that I know that I know that she doesn't have any friends, and if she has a, a sprinkling, they are in the same you know same, similar situations. Because I know, I know my friends would be snatching the hell out of me. You know yeah I mean, if you're gonna get on there and let this man embarrass you at least look like something so the next man could be like she cute though but you went out there looking crazy and <laughs> the fact that she has been dating him since college that means you've been dealing with this and so that's a problem for me why what is wrong with Ooh. you that you don't know that you deserve better than that well we got one that Something she can stay in her marriage without putting herself in the public eye. Absolutely. Um, she, she but also, so I don't women. know if, again, we speak of a choice, choice. If She had a choice. I don't know if she had a choice because that choice was made for her to sell some books. Um, but is the choice continuing to be made? Because it's like you keep going back, girl. You making it. You like people are going to be like, oh, for real. OK, why are the Derek Jacksons of the world always telling women something is wrong? Mm, Cause that that's is who they are. That's because they're women who listen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. So she's embarrassed. He's isolated to the part where he is her only friend. Maybe. Um. Why did he let her look like that too? That's abuse as well. Hey, I don't know. I don't know all of their situation and circumstance. All I know is this. Um, And we talk about this, especially because he did have a large following, He had a large following of women, especially young women, I would say in their twenties and thirties, I would say this, the best person you can listen to is that one in here, because that voice, when you get in tune with that voice in here, it's going to let you know what's right, what's wrong, who's right, who's wrong, who ain't right for you. It tells you, we don't always listen to her. We don't always listen to her. Sometimes, sometimes, sometimes we didn't make our minds up, and we think we're making the right choice. And she always gotta say something to check us, and we always <laughs> want to hear that. It's just like, just can I have my moment, Dang? Can I just get through the night without you reminding me of something I, you know, I heard, thought, or seen? Um, it's hard. It's yeah. it is it is not easy. And um, my prayers go to her for her strength and her her mental. Um, Mm-hmm. Uh, health and um, and I have prayers for him too but I'm not going to go <laughs> into that because I, God's still working on me so Amen I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to keep my prayer for him and then like <laughs> him I'm just going to let God work on me on that one because it's it's not it's not nice well, speaking of God working on people. So the internet was ablaze all about Lil Nas' ex's new video. And he's he he is um he was tweeting back, y'all say I'm going to hell anyway. He's like, why not? I'm already there. Like I was like, okay, little brother. So I hadn't seen the video, I hadn't heard the song. So we decided to watch today because we knew we were gonna come on this evening and that it certainly was a hot topic all week. Here's my take. The song wasn't that good to me, hey, I, I I'm a person who likes lyrics, so you're a poetess, So, you know, I was like, look up the words. Let me read what the words are saying, because I want to know if you're saying something, because I didn't feel, it didn't move me when I heard it. And then the lap dance really wasn't that good. Like, because I was like, if y'all thought that was a good lap dance, clearly y'all miss P-Valley, because they got some good lap dances out there, and I done seen... Um, even on Shameless when my little boy was working in the club on Shameless. I don't see some men give a good lap dance. So here's my thing on Lil Nas. Um, He don't make music for us. Let's be clear on that. So that's one. And I'm okay with that. Like Everybody's music is not for me. As an artist, I'm always going to support an artist speaking their truth. Now, if mm-hmm. you're talking poorly about another group of people, or you're putting down somebody, and I'm like, "Is that your truth, or, or are you just being an, uh, you know an ass?" Mm-hmm. What I say is the the tweet that that made gave me pause, and um, you know, I don't want to misquote it, but he said something to the extent that, you know, and this was him speaking about himself. I I I, I hated myself all through my teenage years for being gay because of the hate you taught me to have for myself. So if y'all angry about my video, hold on to that hate and that anger. And so you know how I felt. This is what I believe. Mind your business about what people do with their body parts. If they're not doing it with you, it ain't none of your business, your concern to comment on, to remark on, the whole thing going, Um, you know, it's a gay agenda. You know, he trying to get the kids gay. Well, then just, you know, if your kids accidentally watch Nas X, let them go watch Megan the Stallion, and then at everything will just cancel. No, like, stop! Just, just stop! Just, just, just stop! Can we get to a place where we respect people to be who they choose to be? Um, and, and, and I just, if you don't like it, guess what? You don't have to do buy it, watch it, listen to it mind your business and let that man make his money how how he see fit let us not forget he is also the young black man who made all of country feelings hurt when he came out with his song and for that i will always support him making white people mad about music they stole when we take it back i i'm here for little nas x whatever he calls himself i'm not gonna buy his shoes um because they just cost too much and that that's not for me um but i i you know, I I just I was I giggled. I was like, "Well, look at him shoving everything back in people's faces." He said, you told me to go to hell, well, I went to hell. And what are you asking about now? Like, what? He went to hell and gave Satan a lap dance. How about that? Not a very skilled <laughs> well, one, however. He can't say nothing. Isn't that what we we want to do? Oh, is to end Satan's <laughs> So I'm like, but we can't have it both ways. We we can't. You know, it, it is, it is, um, people are free to express themselves. You don't have to be a part of it if you don't want to. I tell people who come and read my poetry. I, White people do it all the time. Not just Black women, but all women. No, I said what I said. <laughs> if you want to write your own poem about your own experience, please go right ahead. So if you want to start your own video and do some different things, go right ahead. That's, that's your business. But be let let a young man alone. Just. And I, I don't like none of his music. It's, I don't like no rap after 2000. That's not my <laughs> thing. But, but you know, but you know what I have? I have iTunes and Spotify, which means I can choose what the hell I listen to. Mm-hmm. I don't even got to listen to the radio no more. I just I just listen to what I like, and you can do that too, America. You can. It's only fourteen so dollars. Do that too. You me can. Pay do these that. I see these done out there. sister. you got to take on Lil Nas X, or you want to kind of move on. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think the bottom line is um, he doesn't make music for us. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know that even when Old Town Road that I thought he was mad, uh, a mad lyricist. And like you <laughs> said, we, we care about lyrics. Uh, do I think that he is playing up? A little bit, and and, and, you know, not to enrage people, but it's almost like, oh, this is what you think of me, so now I'm gonna take it to the nth level to just really dig it in. And do I think he's doing that? Absolutely. And isn't that the freedom we all want? It is. I mean, they are very the that he founded in his twenties, and, and if, some and of us he, had. To, and if he's pulling himself up by his bootstraps, that's also what they tell us to do. So he's. Listen, made there it. are very, he, very few times he, when I am not going to celebrate a black person in their bag, um, mm-hmm. and there are specific times. Uh, Repu- black Republicans. Mm-hmm. No, I don't want you to get your monies. I don't want dollar bucks for you. Um, yeah. <laughs>
1: Well, we got
0: here. His video was hilarious. Song garbage. Female version of WAP. Uh, male version. She meant the male version of WAP. Yeah, that is. People was like, "Oh, Cardi. Guess what? Don't watch Cardi B then. Don't watch Cardi B. Don't watch Megan The Stallion. They are not gonna be missing your dollars. They have. It's coming in from other where. If it's not for you, it's not for you, and move on. Listen, well, I. The I, more I, people I, talk you. about it, the more they give like to it anyway so it's kind of kind of intuitive so you don't yeah, like it but you talking are, about it are you jealous are you jealous i know i'm jealous i wish i could pole dance i because if i could listen listen linda i would be <laughs> yeah, doing about on the pole you know <laughs> are you jealous there's strength up here <laughs> i'm jealous of making the stallion's knees don't <laughs> <Those laughs> titanium i can't even bend down time shoes without stuff cracking So, you know, are are you jealous that people have found freedom that you can't? Right. Boom. Mm. I'm going to give some two snaps up and a (laughs) shimmy shake on that. How about that? Well, we have one more hot topic, but so y'all, y'all going to hang in here with us tonight because we probably going to go a little over and it's okay. So, Leslie, if you hear all of it works, all of it works to the overall story. (laughs) Yeah. So, we got this. This last hot topic that we have to talk about, you know, I mean, we did so many conversations. We talked about Georgia and hot topics and how we needed Georgia to stand up and Georgia to come through. Well, Jesus, we need you again in Georgia. (laughs) Um, So they passed a bill this past week. Um, and it's really you know one 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 of forty three states who are passing these real voter suppression bills. We know a few years ago, and I don't know the exact year uh, where the Supreme Court allowed this to start happening again. You know, there we we, we had some voter protections. they they um they're like, okay, no, we don't need to have this in place anymore. anymore for these states to have to do these special things to prove they're not suppressing the votes. And it has run rampant Mm -hmm. around the entire country. And so Georgia has once again proven uh, why we need Stacey Abrams and we need uh, other women like her to stand up. So we saw the image of Representative Park Cannon, who is a Georgia legislator elected by her constituents in that same state knock on the door because i want to see you signing this bill and no we see a bill being signed with a a a picture of a plantation over the head of the governor with six other white men there and she being arrested I gonna toss it to you first, sister. Uh, what What do you, I mean, we know what's going on. We know it's Jim Crow 2.0. Mm-hmm. We know that we all need to be activated and, and in charge. But um, I don't know. What did you think when you saw this image, these images come out this week, especially her arrest? Um, you know, uh, I think uh, like everybody is, uh, outraged, you know, you feel angry, but then again, you're angry, but you're not surprised. And for me, it was, you know, a lot of, um, there have been a lot of calls for these companies like Coca-Cola, like Delta, like Home Depot, like Affleck, uh, <clears throat> etc. to do something and their silence is deafening. And so, you know, for me, it's like, but- you know, we're calling on big companies, but companies do what businesses do, what businesses do, business people do what business people do. So unless it impacts their bottom line, they're not going to change, right? They're going to play it safe. Um, When it was in vogue, right? Last summer, they all had their little black squares and was making all they black people, we love you statements. Now it's no longer in vogue. So we're back to what people typically do, which is I'm gonna be Switzerland. I'm not gonna say anything. I'm not gonna stand up for anything either way. But my charge is, you know, obviously you and I are in a sorority. There's a plethora of black organizations: NAACP, Urban League, 100 Black Men, 100 Black Women. You know, every Divine Nine organization, etc., etc., etc. We have to be serious about mobilizing, and we have to mobilize just like. We were marching in the streets in the summer of 2020, just like now that we've seen this attack on our Asian brothers and sisters and those of us who are mobilizing with them. We're going to have to do the same thing because at the end of the day, they've never played by the rules. And anytime, like you say, we get closer, they think we're inching closer, they just change the rules. And so if that's the case, we just got to beat them at their own game. So the fact is they're going to pass this in georgia it's 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 been passed passed, excuse me they're Mm -hmm. they're probably not going to i know a stacy abrams organization is suing but it will probably not be impacted or reversed um you know there's one that they're trying to do in arizona as well Mm -hmm. and like 43 states in total so we know that suppression is going to happen So now it's like, then what do we need to do early on? We need to make sure Momo and everybody has a way to the polls. Mm -hmm. um, That people who live in very rural areas, that we're ensuring that they have um, an an action plan in place. And we just, we got to do what we always do. We got to just show up. We got to, you know, we got to knock if we buck. Whatever works for you. Mm -hmm. But we are going to have to step it up. Because the tactics are just going to keep getting dirtier. Mm-hmm. We are, because we—that's that's who we are. But let me also say this: I don't know. I I can only speak for myself, um, and and the people that I know that I've had conversations about this. I'm tired. Mm-hmm. I'm tired of of black women always having to sh- to show up, like like Niecy said, black women always have to save the day. I'm tired of that. I'm tired of cleaning up everybody's mess. I'm tired of being used as um, propaganda to say, look, we are diversified, here's our Black. You know, I'm, 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 and I think collectively we are tired. When have we had a chance to rest, to take a deep breath? We got, you know, inauguration day, we got to party. And then it was like right back to work. Um, I I I'm just I just want to acknowledge that and hold space for that. That mm-hmm. we know we are going to fight. We know we are going to mobilize. We know we, we know how to to beat this. Um, and it, it's it's continuing to be vigilant. It's continuing to run. It is you know you know both being active and waiting for them to die. I mean it's just it's it's it. We we know we can't stop. Because um, we have legacies to to protect and seeds to plant, but take a nap, take a rest, point to yourself. Um, it's it's exhausting having to wake up and and deal with this every single day. You know, I love our, our white allies, but the fact of the matter is they can put their picket sign down. They can take their T-shirt off. They can, you know, take their Black Lives Matter square off their page and go back to their regular life. And it, they don't carry around with them the same burden and heaviness that we do. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's all. Yeah. That's, that was just my comment on that. I, I didn't, I'm i sorry. I was a womp, womp Debbie Downer. <laughs> but no. No, I mean but I think it's so very powerful and as we transition and get more into your story I think and especially we're at the our last Sunday in women's history month as 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 women and especially as black women. Um we do have to recognize that we have to take care of ourselves cuz the fight never stops. Yeah. So we have to carve out that space for ourselves. We have to take leave. We have to pass the baton. I know the baton's going to come back to me because this is a relay race that ain't stopping until the day we depart this earth, it seems, right? So I have to pass the baton. I know the baton's going to come back to me at some point. And and my part in the race is going to be different because I'm going to be pouring something different into those who are coming behind me. But the race is not is not over because the game the rules are always shifting and changing, and so we have to stay ahead of it. And and, and we the know the race is not given to the Swift. it's not to the given one those who endure endures. to the end. Exactly. So we gonna keep on enduring to the end. Woo! That was some hot topics. Woo! Yeah. So um, you have a poem for us about representative canon, and so oh, we, we want you to drop that poem As then we're going to transition into who is Leslie Honoré and get into your story. Oh, I love that. So um, I posted this this morning. So um, it's good morning. Which America did you wake up in safe and healthy where your children have resources, options and choices? If you get pulled over, you get a warning and a smile, not a bullet or a knee. Your killers go free. No jail time, no trial. Did you wake up where people look like you and they can commit mass murder and get apprehended alive, then get treated to a burger, Where bad days are resolved by killing innocent Asian women, insurrection is forgotten, forgiven. Which America did you wake up in? Or was it the America where fair votes mean suppression? If you win in spite of the barriers, it means more oppression. A finishing line that moves when you reach it. Your skin makes you guilty, determines on how you are treated. Your children can be killed for breathing while black. Your government limits your resources, but you are blamed for your lack. Where white supremacy can kill cops with an American flag, but knocking on the door means arrest, felonies, and hopefully not a toe tag. Which America did you wake up in? Um. Good morning, America. That's all I can say. Good yes. Let's, 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 yes, 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 yes. So, so, Miss Leslie Honoré, why don't you tell the people, tell us your story? Now we have your bio. We know that you're a feller alum of the Xavier University of Louisiana. I'm just gonna say that That's too, great. sister. All That's right, so, <laughs> we do this little thing we do over here, um, mm-hmm. and and you're a native New Orleanian. You um you have a, just a rich story. So I'm not even going to trample on that. I want to hear it in your words. Tell us who is Leslie Honoré and how did she become this well, person that we when, with today. Well, when the sperm met the egg. No, just kidding. No, <laughs> uh, so I actually grew up in Los Angeles. My father's from New Orleans. Um, he left New Orleans, went into the Navy, um, ended up Um, Being stationed in San Diego, stayed in LA, met my mom there. My mom, um, Rosala, immigrated from Mexico when she was 15. So I like to say I have a a very American story that my ancestry is both from the descendants of being enslaved and um, people who actually own the land that we are on um, and were forcibly removed from it. And now people get mad when we want to get back on it. So when we talk about um, the Southwest, California, Nevada, New Mexico, Texas—that um, was all my shit. So <laughs> I'm like, it's either it's either mine through legacy or through through, through blood and toil. Um, so I like America about America a lot because it's it's mine's with the Z at the end of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so grew, grew up in LA, spent summers in New Orleans with my family. Um, went to Xavier where I met um, the most amazing people. Um, that changed my life. Um, I think I, uh, growing up in the, the late 80s and 90s, we did not have um, a way to talk about being biracial. Mm-hmm. So it was what are you? You know, you pick one. There wasn't multiple checks. You know, there wasn't, you know, a black of Latin descent. There you know, wasn't other. It, it was you just had to choose. We didn't have President Obama. Um, Holly Berry was just getting on the same. Um, as a Latina, we didn't have the term Afro-Latina, which really honors the fact that African people in the diaspora, because of the slave trade, are in every Latin American country, you know, all 19 of them, they're people who look like us who just speak Spanish. Um, so it, it wasn't really until I, I and I, I did a, a summer program at the end Biostar. Um but it wasn't until I got to Xavier. It was the first time in my life where my blackness wasn't questioned. Because um, for anybody who who is from New Orleans, who lives in New Orleans, or has visited any time, knows that our our black on the scale New Orleans comes from the palest of pale to the most beautiful mahogany and, and everything in between. And we are very proud of our roots, no matter where we are on that spectrum. So it was really freeing for me in, in, in that. It was like I can just. I could just be, and I didn't have to prove it or explain it to anybody. Um, and so that was that was probably where I, I found my most authentic voice. It's where I started to do open mics, um, and 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 really get into publication. Uh, I was editor of Xavier's Literary Journal, New Voices, which is still up and going, um, and just had really great really great opportunities. I opened for Dr. Michael Eric Dyson um, once. We had um, Lucille Clifton and um Troy Derek and Percival Everett come and speak um for a workshop. Uh, Xavier New Orleans that's home. That's where I will end up retiring. When I go back to LA I feel like a tourist. I've been in Chicago for 20 years. Um but but New Orleans is where I feel most myself. Um mm-hmm. and, and um, have you know I've I've gone to um, the Desperate Hand Plantation, where my family was both um, owner and slave, and just been able to put my feet in the soil and smell the air and, and hands on the bricks that we made and and, and know where our American story started. Um, but after Xavier, I uh, moved to Chicago. I'm sorry, I moved to Indianapolis for one year, but I like to forget that year because Indianapolis and Indiana was horrible. I'm sorry if anybody on this call is from Indiana. Um, it would—you could just smell the KKK fires flame and, and to go from from LA to New Orleans, Indianapolis was just like culture shock. Well, lack thereof was no culture. Um whitewash. It, it was. It was really. It was really bad. Um, so I would come to Chicago often on the weekends um, and met my husband was married for um, 10 years um, and have three kids. My, my ex-husband was um, verbally and emotionally abusive. I believe if we would have stayed together any longer, I, I'm for certain it would have um, become physical abuse. Um, so I'm, I'm grateful for God's grace. Um, but it's been me and my kids since 2011. Um, so Sage is 20 now. She'll be 21 um, in May. Um, And she is an artist. She's a painter and she's studying. um, Well, she's studying at home right now, but she attends um, MICA, uh, which is one of the top tier um, art schools in the nation. I'm so proud of her. She's doing a a five year program. So she'll finish with a bachelor's in um, fine arts and a master's in um, education at 22. So I just I just so proud of her because I was proud that I, even you know, just had any grades to show my children of my college years. (laughs) She's much more focused than I think I I have ever been. Um, Sometimes I call her my mother daughter, but she is is every bit her name. She's very wise. Um, My son, Solomon, who we call Bubba, um, just turned 18. um, And like so many students that have spent their senior year during COVID, um, we have had ups and downs and challenges, but he remains just full of joy and love, and um, I, I think I've done my best to raise a non-toxic man to be able to put that in the world, and I'm so so proud of that. How he shows up and loves himself, and his friends, and his community, and us. Um, he's he plays football, but he also plays the piano. He's he's a renaissance man, and I I just. Love him, and then my Scarlet Rose, who is bringing up the rear. She is twelve going on forty-two. Um, she is, she's just independent and brilliant, and there's nothing that she doesn't take up that she doesn't just excel at. And um, funny, and checks me, and um, is is just a joy. So I, I I have been so grateful for the lessons I've learned about being a mom, and I. I other than being a poet, I know that's that was my purpose to be here, was to bring them into this world and share them with the world so they can share their gifts. Um, and I love my, I love my kids. I, I get real sad when I hear parents talk, oh, I can't wait for them to be gone. And I don't like them. I'm like, I have enjoyed, even with everything that COVID has brought, the loneliness, the I ain't putting on no heels, losing friends and family to COVID, getting covid myself the everybody all, me, myself and the kids we all had covid about 2 weeks before christmas and it was awful you know and they say i wouldn't wish this on my worst enemy i would i would wish what i had on every every enemy that i know um cuz it, it was it was that bad um But even with all of that, I've been so grateful to have this really special year with them. I would not have had this year with Sage. She would have been in Baltimore. I would not have had this time with Solomon. He would have been with his friends, which is what he should be doing. Um, You know, I wouldn't have had this time with Scarlett to listen to their classes and see how they're coping and be really present and cook together and pray together and laugh together and cry and play Pictionary and let them play Monopoly and leave because they're far too competitive. But there have been moments that I have been extremely grateful for. As the mother of a, a Black son who is six feet and big and a football player, I know the world doesn't see him as my baby. So it's been a year of less worry. Like I, I had to admit that. I was like, I I'm grateful he's at home. I know it's depressing. But I don't have to worry about, you know, him getting shot because he's going to, you know, the gas station to get candy or, you know, they have off-campus lunch and going somewhere or there's less driving. It's been a year of less stress. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not looking at my daughters. You know, I have, they all have, we have Apple phones and so I can look at their location and I'm not looking at her in Baltimore and going, okay, who is she with and, call me if you're in the Uber by yourself and you guys are staying together. You know, just all of those things as we think about, the, you know, the tens of thousands missing Black women in this nation that nobody cares about or follows through with. So it, it has also been a year of um, deep reflection on on family and purpose and, and gratitude that we've been able to, um, you know, have some privilege of being together, that I've been able to work. Um, it is not lost on me that, you know, not even a decade ago shoot five years ago I was I lost my job I was evicted you know we were struggling with if we don't find something in two weeks we're gonna be sleeping in the car um, I'm I'm grateful for those experiences uh, because it is given my life purpose how I choose my career what I do for a living I know the difference between my children and my success was my education and my access to resources so no matter how hard it got, I could see a path out of it. I I knew someone I could call, someone I could connect to. We found tons of free programs for them to do and and, and have access to. And I I know that the kids in my neighborhood did not always have the same opportunities, although we were living next door to each other. So my 20 years in Chicago, professionally, my um, positions have always been um, with nonprofits doing direct services. I worked in the mental health um, field as a case manager, um, have run after school programs and summer programs, um, eventually became an executive director of a nonprofit. Um, currently, I'm with the union. Um, my team trains um, 40,000 home care and child care workers. All of them are women of color, brown and black women who are doing, you know, the work that nobody you know, thought of until now as essential um, mm-hmm. and, and really sacrificial. Um, and then I'll be transitioning in April to a role of director of strategy and communications for a, a nonprofit that does work in climate um, justice, um, which I think is like the last field of social justice that has not been open to brown and black people, although we are affected the most by it. the communities that we live in are not just under-resourced, but attacked environmentally and it affects our health. And if we have higher numbers of asthma obesity because we can't get out and walk our communities aren't walkable we don't have clean water we don't have clean air i'm here in chicago i can't even grow stuff in my backyard and i I say that real openly because all i can do is tomatoes and not kill them but i do not have a green thumb we have to do raised um, beds because our soil is toxic Mm -hmm. Um, but this area of, of climate justice and has always been something that has been very right and has been very limited for us to have access to because a lot of us are, are busy surviving. Um, so I'm really excited about that role and, and what I can what I can do there. Um, but yes, Denise said, amazing life, a, a blessed life, a life that I love to share my testimony on. God has gotten me through 100% of the moments that I was afraid of, I'm blessed to have the people in my life who keep me grounded and celebrate me and allow me to celebrate them. My Xavier sisters, my gatherers, um, we talk every day. Like I, I check in with them every single day. And some of us didn't even hang out as Xavier. We came together as adults. Um, but they're who I pray with, I laugh with, cry with, celebrate with. Every a milestone we have shared with each other that happens in our lives. Um, and I'm grateful for it. And I, I like to talk about it because I've seen some really dark times. And I want other women to know that there's there's another side of it. it. It you know, night does not last forever. Morning will come, winter will be over, spring will come. Um, and sometimes it seems very bleak. Um sometimes you have to get quiet and look what God has put into your life, look the people that they have put into your life? Who are you connected to? Every good thing that has happened in my life is because of a connection I have, because of my village, because someone loved me, because someone saw something in me I didn't see in myself, and I'm committed to making sure I do that for other women, um, Mm -hmm. because nobody's going to open the doors for us but each other. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. That was... That was a lot. You said a lot of wonderful things in there. I wanted to ask you about five questions, but I think I think I landed on one to start with. Uh, so what, what how, how did you find your voice as a poet or, or or let me say as an artist? And then how did you transform that into becoming an activist or were they always married together? Um, I think, I've all I I've always I've always done poetry. I I the as far back as I can remember, I remember writing. Um, I I think my dad helped me memorize something for a, a, a talent show. You know, Catholic school. We got good talent shows in Catholic schools.
1: <laughs> I think I was
0: six, um, and I would read a lot. And at some point, I was like I can I can write my own stories. I don't just have to read it. Um, In high school, uh, went to high school in Los Angeles, I was bused to an all-white high school. And when I say all-white, I mean lily-white. We were 0.02% of the high school's population. It's a high school that was in the shadows of a a community called Pacific Palisades in Los Angeles, which is like the third most wealthiest communities in the nation. Um, And around 15, I read the autobiography of Malcolm X. And I think that's what radicalized me, if you will. Um, And then that same year is when the Rodney King riots happened in Los Angeles. And it was a pivotal moment in my life of of really having some deeper understanding. My dad had never talked about living through the Watts riots. Um, It was an opportunity for us to talk about why he left New Orleans. Um, You know, what the Deep South meant, what Jim Crow was in our living history of drinking out of colored, you know, water fountains and my dad being my complexion with blue eyes. Um, so, you know, you can get as close to white as you you possibly can get, but you ain't not white and they will let you know that. Um, and they've let us know that throughout history. Um, so just talking to him and, and learning what it was like to be uh, a black man, um, living during that time. It, it 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 that is really what started my activism and I started to see how people were treated differently in my school, what was allowed to happen, who was allowed to congregate, um, I was sped at. It was, you know, some white guys you always talking about race, some white dude and nothing happened to him. Like he wasn't suspended or anything, but I was given detention. Um so it 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 started there. I think once I was at Xavier and could meet so many other people of like-mindedness, I, I, I believe in, in HBCUs for Black kids because it is the one time in our life when we are completely surrounded by Black excellence. Mm-hmm. From our friends to the people that we date, even the people we don't like, it, it's, it's, it's Black excellence. Your failures, you know you failed because you failed, not because you were Black, And Mm -hmm. your wins, you won because somebody was holding you to, you know, uh, uh, a level that they wanted to see you achieve because they believed in you and wanted you to get to where you wanted to be. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that was like the culmination of it all. That's what gave me the education to do it, gave me the history to do it, gave me the alliances to do it. And it it has carried on since then. Um, When I was married, I'd stopped writing for about a decade. Um, my my uh, kids were my poems. I poured into them. I, I thought about them. It's it's how I coped with what was happening. Um, but when my husband left, I started going back to open mics, and I wouldn't read. I would just kind of sit in the back and listen. Um, and I was just so happy to be around the energy. And then I was like, Ooh, that was a bad poem. That was ugh." <laughs> And then I would be having this conversation with myself, like, well, you didn't get up there reading nothing, how you gonna call his poem bad? And I was like, well, I can write one better. Well then why don't you? It was was just this this conversation that was happening inside my head. Um, And slowly Mm -hmm. I started to write again. Um, And then things started to happen in Chicago in 2016, a nine-year-old boy named Taishan Lee was killed. He was shot, a victim of gun violence. And it was it was horrible. Um, the baby was walking home, home to his grandma's house after school and um, somebody did a GoFundMe to help the mother out. And she got a ton of money and, you know, for the funeral and stuff. And then she bought herself a car and she didn't have a car. So her kids were on public transportation, walking back and forth. And people were really upset that she bought a car with the money that people donated, which I couldn't understand. Like, Why wouldn't she? If she couldn't before, and now she can keep her other baby safer. And the conversation, right. It just kept going to, well, his father was gang involved. And people stopped talking about the baby who died. Mm -hmm. And I wrote about it and I posted it on Facebook. And my, my Facebook wasn't even public at the time. And one of my girlfriends Oh, listen, you get you some girlfriends. She said, Hey, make this public. And I was like, Ain't nobody gonna read no poetry on Facebook. She was like, Girl, just make it public. This is really good. And I did. And really, I mean, as corny as it sounds, the rest is history. I think at the beginning, that poem had maybe 13,000 likes or shares. And I thought that was a a big deal. Um, What's that? What's that author? I can't think of the person's name. Write real smutty erotic books. Is it Zane? Zane. Girl, Zane shared my poem and talked so much trash about me. Was like, she don't know what she's talking about. And that baby did die because of the parents, and it's the parents' fault. And the poem was just talking about the fact that if the baby was white, would nobody have forgotten. We're still looking for John Bonet's murderer. Um mm-hmm. because he was black, we, we have completely forgotten. And I didn't care. I was like, whatever. Zane just shared my poem. I don't even care what what is being said, and it, it is just continued from that. Um, in 2016, when I lost my job, I had six months of, I don't wanna say free time, cause I was stressed as, as I don't know what, um, but I, I it was also the summer where we lost Trayvon and we lost Sandra and we lost Mike Brown. And so I just was writing about it and posting it and it, it just continued to grow. Um, and then I did a Kickstarter campaign, um, to see if I could raise money to publish my own book and people that I didn't even know, like believed in me and donated and it, and it happened. And it has just been this beautiful story of being supported by people and people believing in my dream when I didn't even, you know, have the courage to, to have a dream. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm here because of them, because of their belief. I I have read for President Barack Obama. I I have been commissioned by the state of Illinois. I have created stuff for our beloved Xavier. Um, And here recently, after I wrote um, a poem and just changed it a little bit for our vice president, I was able to get a literary agent, which is unheard of. Like, it is... You don't get one as a middle-aged brown woman writing poetry. You do not get a literary agent who is with Writer's House who represents the states of Martin Luther King and Octavia Butler. That does not happen. Mm -hmm. Um, And then with that came the next blessing of um, getting a two-book deal with Little Brown. Um, So Brown Girl will be a children's book in the fall, followed by Brown Boy. It is is a, a life of of blessings and I I'm always walking in immense gratitude and looking for ways to bring people along on the journey as people have made space for me. Um so I'm I, I do not discount my hard work like I'll joke I want to thank me for for, for not <laughs> in my mind and um continuing to, to carve out a time for myself. Um but I I am I'm a just a loom of people who have woven themselves and woven their love into me. And I'm so, 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 so grateful because I would not be here with you guys if not for them. Wow. wow. I think that is so very powerful, but it's also a testament about when we walk in our gifts, our gifts, I posted that today. When you walk in your gifts, the proverb, you walk in your gifts, your gifts make room for you. Absolutely. And so, when, you know, when you were not in your gift, it was couldn't make room for you. And so mm-hmm. being true to that, I think it's just, it is a testament to the goodness, the greatness of, of God and, and also the goodness and greatness of whatever is planted within you. If you feed it, it will flourish. Yep. You you feed the it will flourish. yeah. Yep. And you know, Brown Girl, um, Brown Girl went super viral. You, uh, you know, um, I know somebody tried to co-op it and like not attribute. So we want to say something about attribution, right, sister? If you use somebody's word, because you've had this happen to you a couple times, right? Yeah. Well, if somebody yeah. used <laughs> your words, they should have at least let me tell you the about that. Every time somebody has done that, every time it has been an opportunity for God to use it for something greater. So mm-hmm. I'm like, go, go, on, steal it, because all we're going to do is make a buzz about you stealing it. And it's going to put me in a different position. I'm even grateful for that. Like, it's like, you know, I can't control it when you when you when you put it out there, you open yourself up. Um and and I I I'm not gonna change how I communicate with people. I'm not I'm not gonna limit myself because of what other people do. Um, but I I I no longer am afraid of it. Every single time that it has turned out for the better because they did it. So I I, I just sometimes I just take a deep breath and I'm like, well, okay, well here we go. It's gonna work, but um I have a team. I can't believe I can say that, y'all. I have a team. I have an agent, I have a manager, I have a PR rep, and they help handle those things. Um, But I think we can all have teams, even people who are not in the entertainment industry. Make your team. You do not know all the things. Mm -hmm. Ask for help. Uh, I I am not good with the maths. (laughs) Ask for for help. I I still work, you know, in a semi-corporate area and I can get real, like, Denise can tell you here she's read read over many a memo and email like this is not a poem if you don't put some punctuation I'm like but they get they get the point you can't write like that for people I mean as, as and it's not even about humbling yourself everybody needs it bring your best so somebody can use that too um but but Lean on somebody, or you're gonna be real ragged. Your skin's gonna be bad, your nails is gonna look jacked up because you, you're you not gonna have no time to breathe. Ask somebody mm-hmm. for some help, absolutely. People will show up if you let them, mm-hmm. hmm. absolutely. Well, I'm gonna say it because she ain't say it. At, uh, attribute if you're gonna use somebody else's word, at least give attribution, it don't period. Mean nothing at to say at. If you put a couple letters in and the social platform will pull up their whole name. And, and ain't so gonna Ain't gonna hurt you. It ain't gonna hurt you. Because we will hurt you if you don't. We will. Yes. And drag you Leslie, yourself. Aunt Leslie Honore. Okay. okay. I'm- it. Yeah, I had to, I mean when I posted your reposted your poem, I was like, you know, we weren't even connected, but I was like, I have to tag her in this. And I think I might have asked you, like, is she on here? Cause I don't see her. Cause I gotta add her for this, cause you know, I definitely didn't want nobody to think those were my words. I'm like, I ain't even that good. So <laughs> um you had a question with Lakeisha. I don't know if you want to put Oh that. well Lakeisha, um, yeah, this is this is a little while. Wait, talk. wait, 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 wait. This one. Oh yeah. Well, she talked about, you know, the series um Souls of a Nation on ABC. And, you know, when, as you were talking and talking about the story, um, she was like, This is almost like the question asked, When did you know you were black? So when you you were talking about your experience in high school, you talked about, you know, your father, um and his experience but you also are blackxican as you describe yourself so what does it mean to be blackxican to yes, you I, right to me, it means that i will always honor both of my parents i will never pick and choose who i will refer to when i talk about who i am i am black and mexican there's there's no either or there's no less than more than who do you identify with mo I have spent a lifetime feeling not black enough not Mexican enough um until finally I was like I I don't I don't care anymore because it, it doesn't change who I am it doesn't change what's on my birth certificate um it doesn't change what's on my parents birth certificates it it is it is who I am and I am immensely proud of it And so, I mean, I still have people who comment, you're not even black. How are you talking? I don't, I don't even, sometimes it can hit us a a part that hurts and I'll I'll lean on my girlfriends. I'll, I'll call Nisi, I'll call Gina, I'll call Charmaine, I'll call Michelle, I'll call Jamaica, I'll call Kelly, I'll call Kimba, I'll say, hey, this am I tripping? And usually they say, no, you just, it just, it just touched something that you're still healing from. And I'm like, okay, I'll walk away from it. Um, you know, I've had been in areas with just Mexican people who don't know I'm black and have heard some painful things and I've had to, you know, go, okay, well, here, let me surprise. I'm black too. (laughs) Um, and I'm bilingual. So I heard everything you just said. Um, so it, it is, it, It's a very interesting place to be in. I'm grateful for it. I love being able to have all of my heritages and celebrate them with my kids. Um, You know, being black in this country is not defined just one way. It is not a monolith. My black experience is a Creole experience. So I don't have black IPs for New Year's. We typically have gumbo. Um, I do dressing because my daughter likes it, but typically it's dirty rice if we're having a, a celebratory meal. Um, you know, and then we also celebrate Dia de los muertos and we put up an ofrenda where we where we, you know, remember our ancestors and we light candles. And so it is, it's all of my people are celebratory people. And so if if Target makes decorations for it, we are we are celebrating it. I think we have so much heaviness in our life that anytime we have an opportunity to cook a good meal and love on somebody with some food and a drink and, you know, a cake or a pie, like we're going to do it. And so that's what it means to me. It's just fully acknowledging both of my parents. And I've had people that go, well, you, I mean, you really more this and that. Well, so does this parent not exist? Like, do, do I just, deny that they exist because it's more comfortable for you to, to put me in this box when you relate to me. Um, it, it is, it's that intersection between race and nationality and ethnicity, we are still all trying to learn and figure out. Um, most of us who are brown and black are learning and figuring it out while being who we are. Um, and then there's a whole other group of people who um use it to, to oppress us and box us in. Um, mm-hmm. so. Ooh, I, know that was good. I know you have more questions. I do. Stuff. I do. Well, I mean, because you grew up in Los Angeles, I used to live in Los Angeles. So I know that there is a huge new Orleans population, obviously because yeah. of the great Migration and everything. So I, I thought it was interesting that you said you didn't really like, feel your fullest or full self until you got to, to Xavier. So as as a black growing up in Los Angeles, why do you think it took going to Xavier to feel that when there's that large New Orleans population and heavily Mexican uh, population as well? Well, that was that was family, but that's not who I hung out with. So you know, my my, my mother's family is still in Mexico. So uh, Tijuana is a two-hour drive from LA. So we would we would drive to Mexico once a month. My um, great grandmother, who raised my mother, lived with us, and she only spoke Spanish, um, which is how I, I was able to speak Spanish. Um, and then our my father's family still stayed in New Orleans. So it was just my dad who was in LA. But there are a ton of Norlinians in, in California. They would have this thing every year called the Creole Fest. It would be just like a family reunion of everybody. Um, but in high school, it was such a, it was so white. Mm. Like my neighborhood was black, but going to this high school was just so, so, so white. Um and there, there wasn't anyone else who had a, a heritage similar to mine. So it wasn't until I was completely immersed in it um, that I, I really felt like, oh, I'm. There are other people like me. I mean, and this is why representation means everything. When you can, when you don't feel like the oddball out, where there are other people who look like you, think like you, move like you, talk like you. um, it does something to your soul that allows you to not have to think about that anymore. It's like I don't I don't have to think about that anymore because I know I'm not alone and now I can just to walk in, in whatever I want my truth to be. Yeah and you can just be. You well, one of it. the things that we've been talking about with all of our Women History Month guests uh, is this, this subject about meritocracy. Um, and so sister, I'm going to let you know No, start. I like how you summed it up earlier. You okay. All right. Well, so we <laughs> talked about, we've been talking about meritocracy in a couple of things. A, does it really exist for us? And then B, because we, we have this, you know, we have to be twice as good to get half as much. This is the things that we've been taught and is being passed on generation to generation. We still saying it now to our kids. I know I'm saying it to my kids. Um, And and so, hey, black women, especially, we have more degrees than any other group, our contemporaries, you know, we have more educated, more certifications, this, all of that stuff. Are we putting so much emphasis on those, um, gathering those, credentials versus really our network. Like actually your network has to be twice as strong. Um, Cause you talked about connection and how connection has helped you. So the first part is, what do you think about meritocracy? Does it even exist for us? And then um, how are we, are we helping or harming ourselves by continuing this narrative about working so hard and attaining all these credentials versus really pouring into our network? So, so a couple of things. The American meritocracy is not for us. It wasn't created for us, wasn't written for us, never included us, which is why the fight to be a part of it has been um, so difficult. We have our own um, in many ways. And I think when it was the most strong and unified is when we were um, fighting for civil rights. Um make make me a drink too, Denise. Girl, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so That's that's the that's that's the first thing. We we will always it will always be a battle to be um fully considered Americanized within that definition because it was it it, it was never intended to include any of us. Um when it comes to network, I don't like using the term network or networking anymore. Um, last year, right before the pandemic hit, I did a TEDx talk um, that was called "The Power of Connection," and just linking the differences between networking and connecting. Um, networking is extractive; it is is transactional; it's building relationships so you can eventually ask them for something. Um, I think connection is 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 learning, showing up and building a village um, and doing it authentically without an ask, without an expectation. The only expectation you have is that you're bringing yourself fully. Um, you know, I, I like encouraging people, you know, when you find yourself in a place, who, whose name are you speaking that's not there? Who are you bringing up who doesn't have interest to this space? Who, who are you making a path for? That, that's what connection does. I'm well connected. I don't have a good network. I have true honest connections of people who I I love. I love hard. And just because it's a lot doesn't mean that the the love is any you know, it's not diminished or watered down. Um I think if we can concentrate on that, um that that is that that's that's how Things happen and, and move. That's how jobs get offered to you without you even applying. Um, you know that's how help shows up for you. You know without you having to ask for it when you're when you're being vulnerable and being present. And we we do away with this idea of using people or using what they have or using who they know. Um, that when when you can do it with much more sincerity is is where we find, you know, true and honest success in a communal sense of knowing that. You know, singular success don't don't mean a lot. It's when our community is successful. You know, I think um oh I was listening to to, to one of Beyonce's songs with, with her husband and he said, Oh god, I'm gonna mess it up. He said, uh, Jay-Z said, uh, they believe something to the extent if if everybody around you broke and you're not, you're broke. Mm-hmm. Like bring your, bring your people up. If, if, if we, if we all don't make it together, then, then what am I ain't doing nothing right? You know? And I wish I could, I wish I had to cope better. It sounds better when Jay-Z said it, um, <laughs> but it's just that concept of, you know, if all your people, everybody in your circle is struggling and you doing great, you're the one who's doing something wrong because mm-hmm. you're, you're not supporting everybody else. Um, mm-hmm. Nobody's gonna support us but each other. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, you said a word right there. This has been so fabulous. We could probably talk for a whole nother hour, but we're not gonna do that tonight. We just I am just so, so very grateful. There's so many things that have been said. Um, I just I'm gonna toss it to you first for your closing comments, and then I'm gonna toss it to you, Leslie, for your closing comments. This has been phenomenal. It has, I was going to say Yes, we definitely will have you on again um, For various things I'm sure Because your perspective and insight We is- got to get her and Charles together On this environmental justice thing too That would I be would, another Yeah, we get I together. Oh. To. Like you making me like Dust off my civil engineering degree Like I need to go and do some Something in this environmental justice area But I just, you know what, I'm just feel extremely grateful to be connected to you because you are amazing and you are light and you are hilarious. And so I've enjoyed this conversation so much. And uh, thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. This felt great. I just wish we was together and we could we could pour some wine and eat some carbs. <laughs> the day is coming oh, yeah. that we will all be fully vaccinated and together again and able to not just pour wine. But as you said, it might be a brown liquor conversation, <laughs> right? Brown liquor for brown people. That is what. Hello, I mean. hello, hello. Thanks for tuning in. Nisa says she loved this episode. I know that's partly because she loves you. That's my, all, that's my daughter. all of us Xavier writes um I I appreciate you for coming on for sharing your story for being so transparent and vulnerable everybody follow her check her out at leslie honore on all the social media platforms um all of them um her words are so very powerful her book is um fist and fire <laughs> Come on now, show the book. Where we go? This my book. This this my booty on my book. My best friend David painted it. He's awesome. <laughs> right? no. Yes, and so go buy, Where can they buy the book? What will they? They, do? they can buy. It's preferable if they buy it from Blurb, and all the Blurb links are on all my social media. Um, it's usually a, a link at the bottom of a poem, and all of my bios. The link is right there. Um, That's always the best way to buy it that supports the artist the most. Amazon, give you two pennies for each (laughs) book. Yes, (laughs) yes, yeah. I'm going to put that, we're going to drop that in the comments as well. So you all can buy her book, share the poetry. I can't wait till Brown Girl is turned into a book for for our little brown girls and brown boy, for our little brown boys. Um, So congratulations on all your success. Keep walking in your gifts and keep letting your light shine so with that folks we're gonna um i'm gonna ask leslie and christina gonna hold a line a little bit but we are gonna wave goodbye to everybody tonight and say good night